spooky story lovers I have another story that I wanted to share with you this one I actually found on reddit there's a bunch of stories that are free domain that people are like you can just read these put them up and uh, I'm just gonna give credit though to Joe dog 93 now this was put up three years ago so I'm not even sure if he will find out that I'm putting this up here but it's a very interesting story and so well written I've gone through a lot on Reddit sites to find a good one. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy. Five More Minutes, Mommy by JoeDog93. Before we begin, I would like to clarify something. I would not be here right now if I didn't feel it was necessary. I'm not one of those people who likes to take to the internet to rant and rave at the slightest inconvenience. Although the likelihood of anyone believing this is slim, Hopefully someone out there will heed my words. My name is Emily, and my son Daniel has been killing people. Now I know what you might be thinking. Why come out with it like this? Why not unburden your soul with a confession or perhaps tell the police? It's not exactly that simple. Daniel lost his battle with muscular dystrophy six months ago. You're probably scratching your head in confusion right now. I don't blame you. If it didn't happen to me, I probably wouldn't believe it, but I promise you every word is true. It all began years ago when my son was just a small boy. Due to his health, he could never really play sports, so he made up for it by playing video games. I can still remember the look on his face that Christmas when I got him a Super Nintendo. At that point, he wasn't in a wheelchair yet. He must have tripped at least five or six times sprinting as fast as he could to get to the Christmas tree clutching onto the box as if it were made of pure gold. His favorite game at the time was Super Mario Brothers. He would come home from school, get his homework done as fast as he could, and rush into his room, eager to get lost in the world of the game. Maybe he played a little too much, but I knew he was safe in his room, and it kept him occupied while I made dinner or did some other menial housework. The only real trouble he gave me was when it was time to eat. Just five more minutes, Mommy, he would beg. As Daniel matured, so did his taste in video games. By the time he was in his teens, gone were the days of Super Mario. He had upgraded to Xbox and PlayStation. When he was younger, I played with him from time to time, but our co-op adventures faded into distant memory. These new consoles were a bit too complex for me to fully grasp. Super Nintendo was simple, a power switch, a reset button, and a simple controller. There's so much more to it now. It wasn't just that, though. I could deal with the learning curve if it weren't for the fact that the level of violence of some of the newer games was downright repulsive. That Grand Theft Auto game was probably the worst. I'll never understand the satisfaction one gets from sleeping with a prostitute only to beat her to a pulp and take your money back a few seconds later. Really bizarre. Unfortunately for Daniel, the older he got, the worse his muscular dystrophy got. In more severe cases like this, those affected by it will experience a greatly shortened lifespan, often not living past their late teens to early 20s. When he finally lost the use of his legs and was confined to a wheelchair, he started sleeping down in the den to avoid using the stairs. 
We moved all of his video games downstairs and I made up a nice bed for him in there. I would never let him know it, but this killed me inside. I can't begin to tell you how many mornings I dreaded coming downstairs. There was one reoccurring nightmare I would have all the time. I'd come downstairs to make breakfast and find Daniel dead. It was a nightmare that sadly I'd have to live out sooner rather than later. As much as I didn't want to leave my boy's side, desperate to spend every last minute with him until the bitter end, it was important to maintain normalcy as much as humanly possible. And that meant keeping him enrolled in school. Looking back on it, I'm sad to say that it may have hurt him more than it helped him. They say kids can be cruel, but they got it all wrong. Angry, bitter teenagers are far worse. Daniel, standing out from the rest of his classmates because of his wheelchair, fell casualty to the school tough guys. Oh, how I loathed them. There was one in particular, though, one worse than the others. Nick Herter. He wasn't like the rest of them. He wasn't afraid to get physical. He didn't care at all that Daniel was in a wheelchair. That just made him a slower target. When I realized what was going on, my first instinct as a mother was to raise some serious hell. The school advised against that, though, insisting that the more noise I made, I would only paint a bigger target across Daniel's back. So against my emotions and my better judgment, I held my tongue and did my best to extinguish the rage that burned inside me. There may not have been much I could do, but at least Daniel had his friend Kevin to watch over him during the school day. Kevin was on the football team and was familiar with a few of Daniel's bullies. Usually he'd step in before things got out of hand. The pair had been friends since the fourth or fifth grade. I always referred to the boys, the gentle giant. Probably the only thing I ever saw him hit was nails with a hammer that time he helped me build a ramp to the house to accommodate Daniel's wheelchair. For a while, it seemed as if the boys were inseparable. Whenever Daniel seemed to be having an extra hard time, Kevin would come over and spend entire beautiful Saturday afternoons with him playing video games just to keep him company and make him feel better. Over time, though, their gaming sessions grew a bit farther apart, with Daniel just excusing his absences because of him having to go to the gym or some other activity to stay in shape for sports. It was an inevitability of time. People change, circumstances change. One day after coming home from school, Daniel was particularly distraught, and he was covered in bruises on his face and arms. Something must have happened at school. I tried to get it out of him, but he just kept giving me the same blanket statement. I forgot to set the brakes on my chair and I fell. Oh, honey, it's okay, I explained. If something happened to you at school, you can tell me. I pried for more information, anything I could get out of him. Was it the same guys bothering you again? He sat there motionless as if he was already dead. Well, fine, I huffed. I guess I'll just call Kevin's parents and get him on the phone. I want answers and I'm gonna get him. I'm sure he saw what happened. Oh, God damn it, mom, he snapped back. I don't want to talk about Kevin. Daniel was never much of a swearer. I think he was a little shocked to hear it come out of his own mouth. He quickly began to apologize. I, I'm sorry, Mom. I, I didn't mean just... Could we not talk about it, please? I worked my way over to him and lifted him up, cradling his head on my shoulder like I did when he was small. Oh, relax, honey. I know you didn't mean it, I assured him. I could sense him holding back tears. I'm sorry. I really am. If there was a way I could take away all your pain, I promise I would. We ate dinner in silence that night. At one point, Daniel got a text on his phone. It didn't seem to be anything urgent, though. He just glanced at his phone and then went back to eating as if it never happened. At bedtime, I tucked him neatly into his bed and gave him a kiss on his forehead. Good night, honey. I said, just try and get some sleep, okay? Tomorrow is a better day.
I know, he replied in an ominous, monotone voice. At least it was creepier looking back on it now. The next morning, I stumbled downstairs and into the kitchen to prepare breakfast. The TV was still turned on from the night before. The vexing sound of static wreaked havoc on my ears. Perhaps Daniel had fallen asleep with the television on. Wake up, sleepyhead, I called. I'll have breakfast ready in a couple of minutes. While I was getting breakfast ready, I happened to notice that the silverware drawer was left open. Did Daniel roll in here during the night to get something to eat? Hey, don't we close drawers around here? Still no answer. I entered the den to wake him up. No, he was really knocked out this morning. I tenderly shook him. Come on, sweetie, get up. Nothing. I rolled him over. He lay there flat on his back. His skin was eerily cold. I noticed there happened to be a substantially dark and sticky stain on his blanket. Growing more apprehensive by the second, I tore through his sheets to investigate the cause. As I pulled him atop the bed, my eyes grew broad with terror. There was blood, lots of it, flooding from Daniel's wrists. A small knife snuck out of the blankets and plummeted onto the floor. So that was what he had taken from the drawer? I scrambled to call 911. Daniel's phone happened to be on the table. I grabbed it and slid it open to call the police. That was when I saw the message he seemingly ignored before. It read, You're a pathetic waste of oxygen, you sick freak. I tried to see who it was that was tormenting him, but the number wasn't logged into his phone. Tears began to rain down my face as I shouted to the heavens, my scream and the ongoing TV static forming a demented harmony. What had he done? Not only had I lost my baby from a disease, but he had forfeited the battle ahead of time. I was a complete mess during Daniel's wake. I sat there in the front row, eyes welled up with tears, seeing the world through my sable-tinted spectacles. Alert enough to know I was surrounded amongst people paying their respects, but doped up enough not to care. The services were just about to wrap up for the evening when Kevin surprised me. I took my sunglasses off. Peering into my tumid eyes, he embraced me, and for one moment the memories came rushing back. All the playdates, all the sleepovers. As we hugged, it felt like one tiny part of Daniel lived on through his dear old buddy. I, I don't know what to say, ma'am, he muttered. He was like a brother to me. He adored you, I assured him. You really were a guardian angel. Perhaps the only reason he still wanted to go to school in the first place. He slouched over and in an instant went from concerned to despondent. I should have been there more. Maybe I could have seen this coming. His deep, drawn-out breaths bore the weight of the guilt and toming his soul. Don't ever blame yourself, sweetie. No one could have seen this coming. He leaned over and whispered as if he were being watched. If you'd been in school, you could have probably seen it coming a mile away. What do you mean? I asked. He began. That day in school? Before he died. I took off early for football practice. We were doing laps in the field, and that's where I found him. His wheelchair was flipped over, and he was covered in bruises and dragging himself across the ground. What the hell? What kind of a sick animal would do such a thing? My shock had turned to rage. Who did this? I demanded to know. Was it those same miserable bastards always bothering him? If I had to guess, explained Kevin. But no one was around when I found him, though, and he refused to talk about it. He demanded I get him back in the chair and send him on his way. Well, this explained a lot. If only Daniel had opened up to me about it, we may not be laying him to rest now. The first couple of months after he died were probably the worst of my life. I was a complete shell of my former self. 
If I ate anything, it was purely for nourishment to keep me going. I dropped about 15 pounds in the span of a month. I had completely emotionally isolated myself from the rest of the world, avoiding all contact possible. As much as I didn't want to deal with people, locking myself in the house wasn't an option either. Whoever said silence is deadly knew their stuff. It's amazing the things you pick up on in an empty nest. There was just something weird about the house. It was this bad feeling you just couldn't shake. I started having these horrible nightmares. It was the same dream each time, incredibly vivid. The television downstairs would be blasting static. I'd stumble out of bed to investigate and there'd be these messy footprints heading down the stairs. They were composed of dirt and leaves and other elements. They'd serve as my guide, leading me into the den where I'd be almost blinded by the bright, snowy static of the TV. Beneath the set knelt a decomposing Daniel, gleefully rubbing his slashed wrist across the television, spelling out, I miss you, Mom, in blood on the screen. He would turn around and we would lock eyes. They weren't my precious baby's eyes, though. They were cold, emotionless black holes where I should be. He would flash me the most sinister, ear-to-ear grin, and I'd finally regain consciousness, drenched in sweat, and almost dead of a heart attack. My nightmares were getting so bad, it got to the point where I'd do anything to avoid going to sleep. I'd usually down a whole pot of coffee if I could help it. Caffeine could only get me so far, though. Then came the tears, and I'd wind up crying myself back to sleep. Being a mother was my whole life, my identity. I had this insatiable lust to be in someone's life, to be needed again. It would be a couple of months before I got that chance again. One night after coming home late from work, I sat on the sofa, blindly surfing through channels and nursing a glass of wine. I don't know what came over me, but I just took a good long look at myself. Takeout boxes were scattered across the floor where my beautiful clean carpet once was. A mess of wires and game consoles were still canopied beneath the television serving as a painful reminder of Daniel's presence. On the six-month anniversary of his passing, it was time. I had to move on with life to some degree, and if I kept everything of Daniel's as it was, as a shrine, that was never going to happen. I held a small garage sale and got rid of most of his clothes and shoes, holding onto a few miscellaneous items from his infancy. Mostly everything sold apart from one of his game consoles and a couple of his old games. Figuring maybe Kevin might want them, I set them aside for him. He came by later that night after I'd called his parents. We hadn't seen each other since Daniel's wake. How are you doing, I asked. Doing okay, he responded. How are you holding up? I'm going along, I suppose. There was a certain awkwardness in the room. Neither of us knew what to say to one another. I motioned for him to go sit at the kitchen table. I brought the games in for Kevin to inspect. There wasn't quite the same glee in his eyes Daniel had when getting a new video game, but I could tell he knew his stuff when it came to this sort of thing. He sifted through some cables and plugs and asked, Mind if I plug this in? It was a reasonable request. The console hadn't been played with in so long, and it was full of dust. For all I knew, it was good as scrap. We took it to the den and sat down next to each other. After a couple minutes of fidgeting with some cables, the game console was up and running. Kevin selected a game and inspected it closely. Ooh, this one looks scratched a little, he observed. Wonder if it'll play. Only one way to find out. He slid the disc in, and after a couple of seconds, a loading screen appeared. His eyes lit up as the game had started. I probably hadn't seen a smile like that since Daniel first got the game. 
Even though this was supposed to be a temporary test run, he seemed to be getting engrossed in the game. I offered to make him a sandwich while he tried the game out, but he declined. That's okay, ma'am, really. Don't trouble yourself, he insisted. As a matter of fact, while you're sitting here, do you want to see something cool? Okay, sure, I suppose, I answered. He pulled out a headset from among Daniel's things and handed it to me. This game has online multiplayer, he explained. Daniel always bragged about how good he was at this one. I saw right through him. He could tell I was still upset and was trying to cheer me up by bringing back a pleasant memory. I was going to save up money and get it myself so we could play together. Unfortunately, it didn't work out like that. He continued before I could interrupt. Come on, why don't you play a game? Daniel once said you used to play. It'll be fun. Me play a video game? The last time I did that, you still blew in cartridges to make them work. I grabbed the controller with anticipation. Okay, so what do I do? I stared ahead at the screen. My character was some kind of soldier in a field. At least I'll call him a soldier. I mean, who else carries a big machine gun? He explained, well, you're red team. Anyone who has a red name over the head is on your side. You gotta kill the blue team. You press X to fire the gun. In the beginning, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it much, but after about 20 minutes into it, I could understand why this might be addicting to some. Playing the game myself really shed some light onto Daniel's obsession. In reality, he was stuck in a wheelchair and in constant agony. But in the world of this game, none of that mattered. He could run and jump in and out of explosions, shoot bad guys. It was quite a break from the mundane. Apart from the preteen boys shouting at each other, this wasn't half bad. Suddenly, a voice coming from the headset startled me. This time, the swearing seemed to be directed toward me. Hey, asshole, I thought you were dead. Ex excuse me? I stammered. I'm just doing good at the game, I guess. Beginner's luck. They had a funeral for you not too long ago, he continued. I'm sure of it. His username flashed across the upper right section of the screen each time he spoke. Bring the hurt to K18. Kevin removed the headset from over me and exchanged some unpleasantries with this mystery man. Kevin apologized. I'm sorry you had to hear that. That was, I mean, a friend of Daniel and mine. He wasn't expecting to see the gamer tag again. He didn't know who he was talking to. But something was fishy. He wouldn't look me in the eyes. Within an instant, he went from friendly and playful, enjoying the game, to clammy and pale, quiet as a mouse. I thought to myself for a minute, bring on the hurt, the hurt, that, that's Nick Herter on the other end, isn't it? I screeched. He must have heard me through the headset. You know who it is, baby. Sup? Oh, how I wished at that moment I could have pulled the smug little bastard through the television. That's ready to smash the game system just to turn it off and not hear from that kid ever again. When suddenly another voice chimed in. It was a voice that for some reason only I could hear. Just five more minutes, mommy. Come on, just five more minutes. That, that was Daniel's voice. I mean, his voice is a child. It was the same high-pitched pleading I used to hear when he was a small boy and I had to pry him away from these damn video games. I'm so sorry about this. I really am. Kevin apologized. You know what? It's getting late. Thanks very much. I'll just pack this up and take off. Oh, don't worry about it, honey. It's fine. I, I desperately tried to keep calm. If I wasn't stuck to my seat before, I was now. That was my baby's voice coming from the headset, and I had to try to hear it again. Kevin breathed a sigh of relief. Oh, okay. Whew. If you say so, but I really do have to take off now. You know what? Just give me five more minutes. Oh, God, I was starting to sound like my son now. I'm not going to yell at the young man or anything. No drama, I promise. Let's just finish the game. 
He glanced at his cell phone. You know what? Just go nuts and enjoy the game. I'll pick it up for me tomorrow. Thanks for letting me have it. No problem, sweetie. I stood up and gave him a hug. Thanks for showing me how this thing works. He let himself out while I returned to the game. I called out to Daniel, trying to get him to speak again. Sweetie, talk to me. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here, baby. What do you need? His honeyed words made me sick. He thought I was talking to him. Joke all you want, I snapped back at him. I saw your text to my son. Had you chosen your words a little bit differently, I'd be pressing charges against you right now, not playing games. What are you talking about? His sarcastic chuckle was broken up by a deep cough. <laughs> I couldn't stand to be around him during the day. You really think I'd waste my data messaging him? His coughing became profounder. <laughs> Suddenly, his character stopped moving. I was actually able to land a couple of kills to his character. <laughs> his coughing was still not letting up. Now it was even more guttural. <laughs> Suddenly, I could hear screaming coming through the headset. Honey, what's wrong? Is everything okay? Oh my God, get in here quick. Dead silence. A notice popped up on the TV screen. You were kicked from the session because the host has left the game. I sat there bemused. What the heck had happened? Did I break the game? I flipped the switch and looked at the time. Another two hours had gone by. Geez, time really does fly when you're wrapped up in this stuff. That night, the nightmares resumed in their regularly scheduled time slot. But this time, something was different about it. When Daniel and me locked eyes, he actually spoke to me. That never happened in the dream before. Thanks, Mommy, he said in that same high-pitched sound I could have sworn I heard on the game. I jolted up in bed. How much longer could this go on? I felt like I was losing my mind. If I had two or three hours of sleep that night, that would be saying something. The following morning, I dragged myself out of bed and down the stairs. Thank God it was the weekend and there was nowhere to go. I hoggishly downed a pot of coffee and tried to wake myself up. I was flipping through the TV channels when a news bulletin caught my eye. 17-year-old Nicholas Herter has passed away after a late-night gaming binge gone horribly wrong. The victim's parents say they were getting ready for bed yesterday evening when they heard strange noises coming from their son's bedroom. The boy's mother had entered the room to check on him when she found him unresponsive on the floor, clutching his video game controller in his hand. Authorities are currently calling his death accidental saying he appeared to have been choking on something, though no food or drinks were found in his room. An autopsy is scheduled for later this week. My coffee cup plummeted to the floor. A tiny mushroom cloud of broken glass enveloped my slippers. He was fine. Just, just last night. I heard this kid myself. I even played a game with him. He was there one minute and gone the next. A wave of guilt rushed over me, but I couldn't understand why. It wasn't my fault. The, the kid was in his own house just playing video games and he started choking. It could have happened to anyone. Later that night, Kevin came back to pick up the console. Almost as if our minds were in sync, we both brought up the incident. He was at the gym when he found out what had happened. How crazy is that? He rhetorically questioned. And you were still playing when it happened? Yeah, I confirmed. He was being a smartass one minute and the next minute threw me out of the game. I thought it was broken at first or something. He pressed on with questions, and it just happened all of a sudden? He didn't seem sick or upset or anything? Not at all, I explained. If we would have turned the game off the first time you wanted to leave, I would have never caught it. What a difference a few minutes make, huh? The memory of Daniel's voice coming through on the headset suddenly came flooding back to me. 
Just five more minutes, Mommy. I became very shaky and sort of breath all of a sudden. A concerned gaze overcame Kevin's face. Is something wrong? Are you okay? Oh, yes, I assured him. I'm just tired. I haven't been sleeping too well. Nightmares, he asked. That was certainly a lucky guess. Actually, yes. What makes you say that? I asked as I stood up to go retrieve my phone in the other room. I didn't sleep too well last night myself, to tell you the truth. I was thinking about Daniel. Well, it's been a while since you've been around, I said from the other room. Maybe coming back just triggered some old memories. I was about to enter the kitchen when I caught a quick glance at the clock in the den. It was just about dinner time. Are you hungry? Have you eaten? Why don't you stay a little? I'll order something. Accidentally, I pressed the send button on the phone. It began to ring, and miraculously, Kevin's phone began ringing almost at the same time. Hello? Hello? Kevin's voice began echoing both from the kitchen and from the phone. I never had Kevin's number in my phone, not his cell phone anyway. I turned it over when I realized I was holding Daniel's phone, not mine. I must have grabbed it off the table by mistake. I still kept it running so I could hear him talk through his voicemail. He never left me any voice messages, only texts. I went to hang up the phone when I stopped dead in my tracks. I'd accidentally opened one of Daniel's old text messages and I must have dialed the number. You're a pathetic waste of oxygen, you sick freak. I entered the kitchen and Kevin and me locked eyes. I suddenly heard a familiar voice again. Just five more minutes, Mommy. The next thing I knew, everything went black. And here I am now writing this letter, looking at all this blood I have on my shirt. I'm afraid of what I'll find if I go downstairs. Just just five more minutes and I'll go check. That, that's all. Just, just five more. Just five more minutes. Illest, the, the illest, the illest couple. Illest, the, the illest, the illest couple.